Hello out there to whoever's listening, if anyone's listening. This is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to this fourth sermon from our fall-winter 2019 sermon series on this journey we are on of becoming more fully a Matthew 25 congregation. This sermon is entitled, A New Season, Overcoming the Fear to Give. I invite you to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness now as we prepare to think about this together. Okay, what I share for your consideration and imagination today is in response to the second of the three parables of Jesus that are found in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, to another, one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, Wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. And give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are grateful for how God uses this scripture to shape and inspire and to call us. So in this episode, we continue a series of reflections on the connected 
and contiguous uh, stories and parables that Jesus tells according to the 23rd through 25th chapters of Matthew's gospel. His parabolic proclamation that the stones of the temple will be thrown down, the religion of love for God and neighbor that will replace it, the parable of the servants who are faithful because they're busy with the master's work, and the parable of the ten bridesmaids, which reveals to us that God's call upon us can come at any time. And so we have to always be watching and listening for it. Then Jesus tells this parable, parable of the talents. And, and this parable, like others that Jesus tells within this connected series of teachings, is apocalyptic. And remember what we considered a couple episodes ago about the apocalyptic genre. In apocalyptic works, the writer or storyteller uses the possible endings to the story as commentary on the orientation of the present. The point is not to say that it's the fate of some to end up in this place and for others to end up in another place, but rather the point is to cause everyone who reads or hears it to self-reflect and to ask, in which way am I currently oriented? Am I living this kind of a life or that kind of life? So in this apocalyptic parable, there are two possible natural outcomes of present orientation. If a life is faithful, good, true, lived as God intends, then it naturally points the one living that life toward joyful communion with God and others who are also living the life God intends, the, the entering into the joy of God. This ending is commentary on the orientation of the present, putting someone on the path to real and abundant life. That will be the natural result. But if the life is not faithful, not lived as God intends, then it naturally points the person toward the community of disconnection with God and darkness and sadness. And this ending of this story, this parable seems harsh, but again, the point isn't the ending itself, but what that ending says about the orientation of the present. So rather than hearing Jesus condemn anyone to eternal darkness and sadness, we're invited to hear him offering the caution that the natural result of living in ways that not, are not in line with God's loving hopes and guidance is disconnection with God. It's a lack of light. It's sadness. Maybe we, maybe we all know too well how true this is. If we've lived seasons in which we've not prioritized living God's will and we've ended up in this place of darkness and sadness and this sense that we are distant from God. But the good news is that we can hear this apocalyptic caution and seek to reorient. We can repent. We can always turn back around to God's ever-present love and guidance and call. We can always choose to pursue lives of faithfulness again. And in this parable, Jesus says something important about what that life of faithfulness look, looks like. Faithfulness is participation in the business of the master, and God is in the business of working in this world so that's restored to a place of peace and everyone flourishing. That work of faithful participation requires us to use our gifts and talents for the sake of God's work and not our own. It's going to take investment, effort, sacrifice. A life of faith is not as easy as just looking out for ourselves and monitoring our own behavior. A life of faith demands investment, effort, and sacrifice. In this parable, 
where we are invited to see the master as God and the servants as ourselves, Jesus affirms a few key spiritual truths. First, we are all entrusted by God, the master, with property. We are all entrusted by God with God-given gifts and talents. Maybe that's time, energy, physical or emotional strength, certain personality strengths or particular skills, hobbies, or passions. Maybe it's money, influence, knowledge, our voice, our buildings, our land. We all possess immense giftedness. The lists of what we could share with others are almost endless. If God wants to use our participation in this world to help reshape this world into a place of peace, then we must know that God has entrusted these gifts to us to serve more than just our own ends. They are not individual rewards for our good behavior. They are gifts entrusted to us so that we might actively use them. Secondly, we're all entrusted by the Master according to our ability. God is not asking any of us to share beyond our means. For some of us, finances are a real struggle. For some, finances are a place of great abundance. For some, time is a struggle, while for others, there is an abundance. For some, we have a passion for nurturing and educating children, while for others, that is not your passion and gift set. For some, we have no room to spare in our homes, while for others, we have an abundance of space. God entrusts us with gifts differently according to our different abilities. We must not feel like we're obligated to share beyond our ability, as though God's demanding something from us that we just don't have the ability to give. However, on the flip side, we must also guard against the temptation to feel like we don't have to share to the fullness of our ability. The servant entrusted with five talents by the master did not look at the other servant entrusted with two and then keep three for himself. As um, Luke quoted Jesus saying, from everyone to whom much was given, much will be expected. If we have it, God expects us to use it for God's purposes. Third, faithfulness and fear cannot coexist. We cannot serve two masters. If we're faithful, we serve God. We are prepared to meet God, to hear God's calling, to invest of what has been entrusted to us for God's sake. The first two servants choose faithfulness. They know that the master trusts them. They know that they've been entrusted according to their abilities. And they get to work using what they have to multiply their talents. But the third servant chooses fear. He allows the fear of what might happen to him to deafen him to God's trust of him and to blind his trust in himself. When he buries what he has, he doesn't use any of that entrusted to him for God's sake, and his work bears no fruit. I don't, um, I don't always love what megachurch pastor rick warren has to say but I, I think he was i think he was right in saying that fear is a self-imposed prison that will keep you from being what god intends you to be you must remove move against it with the weapons of faith and love the uh faith command that we hear named most uh in both the Gospels and all the Scriptures as a whole, is not the command to love, but the command to fear not. It sounds obvious, but it's worth stating. Faith leads to faithfulness. Faith, trust in God, trust in what Jesus says about us, 
leads to faithful living. And faithful living leads to a sense of joy, even amidst the trials and sadnesses of life, and to communion with God and others. Fear leads to unfaithful living, blind and deaf living, self-preserving and self-serving living. Fear leads to darkness, sadness, and disconnecting ourselves from a sense of God with us. If we are wondering why our life or our life together as a congregation isn't more joyful and why it feels like we're disconnected from God or others, it's likely that we have allowed fear and the drive to serve the self that it produces to lead us astray. If we are using all of our time, talents, and gifts in self-serving ways, Jesus cautions that this will not lead us to life. It will only lead us to sadness and disconnection. But we can always repent. We can always turn back to the light and love and the way of God. We can take stock of the time, the energy, physical and emotional strength, personality strengths, skills, hobbies, passions, money, influence, knowledge, voice, buildings, land that we do have. And instead of just seeking to preserve them out of fear for ourselves by burying them in the ground, we can choose in faith to trust in God's calling upon us to put them to work for the sake of God's purposes and not our own. And when we do, we put ourselves as individuals and as a congregation back on the path to our joyful communion with God and each other. God is calling all of us, and it's, it's not a call to monitor and police our obedience with our eyes squarely focused upon ourselves. It's not a call to just be our own keeper. It's a call to look up and to look out. It's a call to participate in God's work in the world. It's a call to pledge that we will no longer only serve and invest in ourselves out of fear, but we'll seek lives of joy by putting all that's been entrusted to us to use for God's purposes. We are tempted to think that fear will protect and sustain our lives, but all it does is steal and destroy life. That's what Jesus was trying to get us to understand. Fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Fear leads us into that which we fear. <laughs> but when we overcome our fear of disappointing God, and we trust in God's love, and we serve God to the best of our ability, we live in the light and the joy of God. Fear not. And in faith, let us invest, share, give, and sacrifice with love for neighbor, the same way our Lord Jesus did. And in doing so, let us enter into the fullness of his joy together. Listening, and may God bless you in your reflections and in your prayers.